everyone to the Wednesday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I am your host, Tyler Crawley, as always, and we got to start. Uh, I just want to give you a heads up since this is an audio format and I'm aware of audio formats. So I bit my tongue yesterday and I did it before yesterday's show. And so it wasn't a big deal. But it's like starting to hurt. <laughs> it's like, you know, you, 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 you like bang your knee and it doesn't really hurt for a while. And the next morning you wake up and you're like, oh, my God. Yeah, I know. It's old age. I understand that. Well, so I bit my tongue and it wasn't really a problem. And it's kind of given me just some issues. So if it sounds like I have like a lisp or I'm not I'm not drunk, I'm not I'm not slurring my words because I am imbibing on the podcast. Not that I couldn't. And I should probably look into that, but that's not what it is. It's because I bit my tongue. And so it's somewhat affecting my ability to talk. And I mean, I don't know if it is or not. You, you're going to be the judge of that. So I just want to give you a heads up that if you hear me slurring my words, it is not a cocktail that is responsible, unfortunately. Like I said, I should look into that. I, I got so used to when I was on the radio, you couldn't drink. It was against the law. It wasn't against the law. It was against company policy to be drunk and be on the air for obvious reasons. But there's no there's no rules here on the Markets and Mortgages podcast. So I don't know. Maybe maybe I should make that part of the program. But we are going to start with the big story yesterday, and that was national home price growth. Once again, I know we, I feel like every month we're we're announcing a new record, the biggest growth in history. But this is probably going to be coming to an end soon, I would think. That's the latest projection. And I don't know, could it be this month or March in this case? Could it be? Possibly. So in March, home price growth, according to the latest CoreLogic Home Price Index report, home price growth hit a 45-year high, the biggest since they have been keeping records, 1976. So it is... It's been a hot minute. It's been a while since we've seen something like this. Or I should say, we've never seen something like this. That's the whole purpose of the 45-year high. Home prices were up, in case you're wondering what the number is, 20.9%. Like I said, that's the highest 12-month growth since 1976. And that was thanks to a month-over-month increase. This number is insane. (laughs) 3.3%. It's just such a crazy month over month jump. Remember we were talking, I guess it was last week, two weeks ago. I think it was last week where we got the um, FHFA HPI report as well. I think that's the home price index or whatever it is. They were at 3%. I went, oh my gosh, that was the biggest month over month increase they'd ever had. And this was the largest monthly increase in the month of March. So they've had higher months. 3.3% month over month. And just to remind you, in March of 2021, we were looking at 11.1% year-over-year gains, which is crazy, double digits. I mean, can you imagine we'd be talking about 11% and being like, oh, a slowdown. (laughs) Here we are, almost double, 20.9%. So what state do you think is leading the pack? Florida. You are. I don't know if we talked about it here, but I did see an article that said Florida had now become the most unaffordable state to live in. And this is probably why. <laughs> because, But it was weird because I remember earlier in the pandemic, the Wall Street Journal had done a piece on Florida and how for a while there were almost an equal amount of people that were coming in that were leaving. And so it was at the end of the day like a wash. And so I don't know. I guess the people stopped leaving. I guess they're like, you know what? We like it here. 
we are going to be staying here. So Florida won all states with a whopping 31.4% year-over-year growth in March. This was up from 11% at the same time last year. So last year, they were trending with the national average, and (laughs) not so much in 2022. They have seen quite or I should say 2021, really, it was this last year. Uh, Arizona took the number two spot with 28.7% growth, followed by Tennessee at 26.7, Nevada 26.5, and Utah at 24.9, just missing 25%. So which metro area is leading the bunch? You know the answer, it's Phoenix. It's Phoenix, that's, that's the area. 30.4% year over year. I mean, just... Insanity, uh, followed by Las Vegas was up twenty seven point four percent, and San Diego up twenty five point eight. Doctor Frank Nothaf, chief economist for CoreLogic, highlighted this is the latest, or highlighted with this latest price jump, has coincided with a rise in mortgage rates, which of course is impacting affordability. In April, the thirty year fixed mortgage rate averaged nearly two percentage points higher than one year earlier. With the growth in home prices, that means the monthly principal and interest payment to buy the median priced home was up 50% April to April. That's, I mean, that that just shows you what is happening with regards to affordability. And what's weird is that, you know, mortgage rates continue to move up and we are seeing a slight slowdown but nowhere what you would expect. And in fact, there was a fascinating piece by Janelle Mart over at Bloomberg in which she writes that the Federal Reserve officials are counting on higher mortgage rates to throw cold water on the frenzied housing market. However, some aren't concerned or, con- or concerned, convinced <laughs> that that is going to happen as quick as they think. And one of the problems Supply side. No, no, not supply side economics. Well, I mean, not directly. But the Fed can only impact demand. That's where their power lies, right? With with raising or lowering borrowing costs to encourage demand. But they can't do anything about supply, which is the main driver of these price spikes, these insanely low inventory levels. And, you know, of course, you can compound that with the fact that if they raise borrowing costs, it's going to cost builders more money. Of course, I mean, sure, maybe some builders are in cash, but most are probably buying on some line of credit. And, you know, I'm not sure what sort of deal they have, but their borrowing costs could be going up, which means it's going to be more expensive for them to build a house, which will discourage home building, which is going to have have a negative impact on the inventory levels. So Mark writes, quote, While rising rates and higher home prices are starting to lock some buyers out and weaken sales, pent-up demand for housing combined with a stark shortage of homes on the market is still putting upward pressure on prices. I mean, mortgage rates have been rising since January 21. And yes, we have seen almost no reduction in demand, even with rates where they are now. Mark Zandi, chief economist for Moody's Analytics, tells Bloomberg, quote, they're not going to get the decline in economic activity through housing that they typically get, at least not as quickly as they typically get it. 
and they may have to press on the brakes even harder. And this is where this idea of a soft landing becomes somewhat problematic. So housing has proven much more inelastic than it normally is during a pandemic. I mean, normally borrowing costs rise, you see housing slow down. That did not happen. In fact, we saw a situation where borrowing costs were going up and home prices were going up. And I think a lot of people are under this impression that during this pandemic, borrowing you know, rates were dropping. And that's true, rates did drop in the, in the 2020s. But they bottomed out in 21 and then started rising. And so sure, you could argue, okay, well, Tyler, it was cheaper to borrow money in April of 21 than it was in late 2019. And you could say, okay, fine, but rates were rising. So borrowing costs in comparison to the month before, two months before, three months before, were rising along with prices. And we've seen almost zero decline in demand. And now this has changed somewhat recently. You know, we have seen a little data that we've highlighted here on the podcast where it does appear as if there may be some hope that inventory levels are rising and demand is being impacted as we cross the 5% mark. However, it's clear, and this is what Zandi's arguing, housing is less responsive to rising borrowing costs than other aspects of the economy. And so this makes that soft landing much more difficult because if they have to raise rates, if they're specifically looking at housing, that's one of their metrics, they're going to have to raise borrowing costs much higher than they would for the rest of the economy, which means that in order for them to get housing under control, they may have to put the rest of the economy basically into a recession, which makes this whole soft landing where we can slow everything down without causing a recession. That seems a little bit more difficult to accomplish. I will say that much. So it, it it's definitely this just crazy market with no inventory is really just going to make it that much more. I mean, it was always almost impossible for the Fed to successfully steer into a, is that what you call it? Steer, glide into a soft landing. I don't, I don't know the uh, proper aeronautical terminology, but it was always going to be difficult. And now with what's happening with housing, it looks like it's going to be even more difficult going forward. Uh, and speaking of the overall economy, we know that one of the trends, kind of a weird trend actually. So Q1, we saw a 1.4% decline in GDP. But at that same time, we also saw like what? 1.2 million jobs created. <laughs> so it's, that doesn't normally happen. You don't normally see an economy retract while jobs are being created. The jobs market, like the housing market, has just been very interesting and has surprised a lot of people. And one of the results of the labor market has been, of course, all these job openings. It was We just got the JOLTS report yesterday and defied expectations. Economists thought that it was going to remain pretty much flat at 11.26 million, and it actually increased. There are now 11.5 million jobs open and available here in the United States of America on the last business day of March. Just, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's crazy. And mind you, this, the end of March is the end of the first quarter. And that was when we saw negative GDP. 
and yet 11.5 million job openings at a time when the economy is actually being pulled back. And so this is called, or caused, excuse me, what they are calling the great resignation, where people are sitting there going, you know what, I can get more, and they need more money because of inflation. And so they're not getting it from the job they're currently at. They're thinking, you know what, I'm gonna try and go somewhere else. And so they're resigning, and we are seeing a big number of people quitting their jobs. And that was also the case in March. Separations continue to climb thanks to an increase in quits. As of course, the great resignation continues. The number of quits edged up in March to a series high of 4.5 million. This was also above where economists thought the quit rate would be. They thought it was going to be at 4.36 million. And layoffs were a little changed from the prior month at 1.4 million. And what's interesting Another interesting topic is that the great resignation has been going on for long enough where we're actually able now to kind of analyze some of this data and the impact that's having on the labor market and employees. And apparently it's kind of a mixed bag, which shouldn't be that surprising. Everything's always a mixed bag. So Catherine Dill wrote over at the Wall Street Journal that millions have quit their jobs for new ones over the past year. But some recruiters are now saying that some workers wish they hadn't jumped ship, saying the grass isn't always greener. They talked to some employees who actually ended up going back to the company that they were with before. (laughs) That They maybe didn't realize how good they had it and maybe that the reason why the other company was paying more, they didn't have as good of perks or whatever it may be. And so, sure, there are people out there that are regretting this decision. However... Carla Miller at the Washington Post writes that workers who joined the great resignation six months ago tell me they're mostly better off emotionally and mentally, if not financially. So they have no regrets or regrets. Is that from the from that movie? Were the Millers? They filmed that here in Wilmington. And a buddy of mine who had a 40th birthday, he actually had T-shirts made with the no regrets tattoo, like the neck tattoo. <laughs> so whenever I see someone say no regrets, I'm always like no regrets or regrets. <laughs> I always think I even have that written that way in the newsletter. If you want to read both those articles, they of course are in the morning companion newsletter, which you can sign up for at marketsandmortgages.com. Okay, today's a busy day. We have a lot going on today, so you need to prepare yourself for this. So it's Wednesday. So at 7 a.m., mortgage demand and rates, that will be out. And I'm assuming the pattern will continue (laughs) that demand is down. At 8 a.m., because it is jobs week, we are getting ADP private payrolls, which economists think are going to be up almost 400,000, 395,000 to be exact. At 8.30 a.m., we got balance of trade, which actually economists think is going to hit a record $107 billion. For one month, <laughs> for one month, that's gonna we're gonna have a hundred and seven billion dollar trade deficit. Which, by the way, I'm not, I'm not one of those anti trade deficit people. I, I, you know, I actually never got to record the podcast. But I, when the GDP numbers came out, there was all this talk about how exports were a drag on GDP, and that's not true. And it basically comes down to an accounting reason as to why they pull um, exports out of the equation, but it's not a drag on the economy. Having a trade deficit is not a drag on the economy, contrary to what every business journalist 
reported on and said, oh, oh look, minus 3%. No, 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 no. There's, there's an, it's a counting reason why they take that out. It's not because it's a negative on the economy. It's because it's already being included in consumption. And that's one of the reasons why they have to take it out. But I, I don't want to get into that now, but we will get balance of trade and I don't see it as a good or a bad thing. It's 107 billion. But people that are anti-trade are, are going to make a big deal about it. But the, here's the thing. The big data, it's not really a data release. It's a decision release. Bigger than LeBron James when he was trying to decide. Where was he going to go? Was it Miami? Was he going to stay in Cleveland or go in Miami? Uh, this is much more important than that. And that, of course, is the Fed, or I should say the Federal Open Market Committee, will announce their interest rate decision in the market's are pricing in a 50 basis point hike. The last meeting was 25 basis points. Everyone said, no, no, you, you have to raise it more. That's that's not enough. And so 50 basis points seems to be the conventional wisdom. However, you never know. 75, it's, it's always possible. <laughs> I don't know, could they do 100 basis points? But 75 would be kind of the dark horse if you could make a bet on this. Uh, but 50 basis points looks like it's go going to be the hike. And this a court reminder will be the first time they've raised rates twice in a row, I think, since 2000. And, was it five? Six, somewhere around there, maybe right before the housing crash, Or it might have been 2003, actually. Somewhere along. It was, it, it's been a while. It's been almost 20 years <laughs> or 15 years, somewhere along those lines. It's been a while since we've seen, seen two rate hikes in a row. And then at 2.30, half an hour after the decision, the big press conference, and we will be talking about it here tomorrow on the Thursday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. You guys enjoy your Wednesday, and we'll see you here tomorrow. And remember, as always, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait. <laughs>